1: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here with Camp Notes from 7 23 the first day of camp of the Ravens, for the Ravens in 2023. So we, ex- we saw some things that we expected to see on the first day, a shorter practice, a little bit of an out-of-sync offense, I would say. Uh, obviously, not a lot of contested play, and, of course, not pads, uh, probably the most important thing. I'll be going through just talking a little bit about the offense, the defense, the special teams, some of the interviews today. And uh, we'll get back. Feel free to leave me comments and uh, send me notes or questions on Twitter if you'd like to discuss it there. Let's start with the offense. The offense I mentioned a little bit out of sync. Uh, there were fairly few long passes on the day, nothing that got behind the defense the entire day. Uh, you really obviously can't tell anything with, with, about the runs when there is not live fire. They do run drills where they, they run the ball about 80% of the time. They pass the ball just to keep the defense honest on some of the remaining plays, but you can't tell much about what's going on there with the brother in law play and the non pad play that's uh, going on between the linemen. I will say that one of the obvious points of emphasis was pace today, that uh, they ran out of the huddle to the line of scrimmage. They got there very quickly. Um, part of it obviously seems to be a desire to try and replicate some of the pace that Monkin's offense would like to have during the regular season quicker to the line of scrimmage, quicker to call your audibles, get your play off, uh, run more plays, keep the defense tired, leave open the option of no huddle by having a pace that's fast enough that a defense can't substitute even when you, uh, you don't make substitutions yourself just because your play takes too long to get in. But that was clear that that was part of it. I would say another part of it was it's just important to get more reps in practice. And the Ravens realize this, they want a faster pace of practice to get an extra few plays uh, per practice in. And I think that uh, that really shows. There's not a lot of lollygagging around. Somebody's got a responsibility to get the football after the play. You know, the rest of the players are going back to the huddle. They're they're in and out very quickly and, uh, and running the next rep. The standout player today in terms of the offense, uh, I think, was pretty clearly Odell Beckham. And it started even before practice. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just say the fans, uh, went crazy for him just coming out of the building. So more crazy than they did for Lamar Jackson. They love Zay Flowers. Also, they love Marlon Humphrey, but, uh, Odell Beckham got the biggest cheers today. And, uh, you'll hear from the rest of the story that really continued throughout the day, uh, looking at him play, I'd say his legs look fairly springy. He definitely... Has uh, is, is getting off the ground fairly well to try and uh, catch the ball. Uh, he had one very nice reach-back catch. Uh, that kind of showed off some of the catch radius we've seen from Odell Beckham and have come to know over the years. Uh, There's a very good sign, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, both hands, by the way, not just reaching back with one hand, trying to make a highlight play and whatnot. This is a great reach-back with both hands across the body and uh, looked very nice. You definitely see a lot of natural competitor in Odell, just from this first day, he's out there fighting for the football um, when really everybody else on that field just about is trying to take care of each other and make sure that injuries don't occur. Odell's playing a little bit more physical football, and maybe it's some of the practice he's uh, had with Lamar Jackson already leading up to this. Maybe it's just a natural competitor, and I think that's probably got a lot to do with it. Um, and I It's just a hard thing to... to to tell Odell, you know exactly how to practice. That might be differently than how he would naturally want to do it. Uh, John Harbaugh was asked about it during the interviews, and he said he thought thought Odell had a good plan to get himself ready for the season, kind of thing. And and uh, I I would kind of take that to mean he's he's not going to tell Odell how to uh, de-physicalize his game. So one of the offensive highlights, and there weren't many on this day, there were not many offensive highlights. It was mostly about the defense. Uh, was a long pass down the right sideline where he appeared to elbow Rock Yassin off the football to catch it. The highlight is out there, so you can take a look at it. Uh, I'm going from what I saw on the field, so the highlight may show us something differently, but definitely looks for that he out-physicaled Yassin for the ball and kind of threw him to the side or checked him to the side um, to, to, to get some additional separation on that play. Uh, Yasin is an extraordinarily physical corner himself. That's really his hallmark uh, as a player, and so that's a, it's an interesting combination there. But I, it's a it's also one that thankfully the defensive back is not reacting and 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 trying to um, match the physicality of Beckham because you really don't want that in an in an early practice like this. Twenty plus yard catch down the right sideline from Lamar on that play. Um, it's out there, I believe, on the Ravens site as the highlight of today, offensively. So uh, I I think it certainly was. It certainly was the one that got the loudest cheers from the from the crowd there. So you think finally Odell Beckham's had his day, and and you know that's uh, that's what it is. And he wasn't at the podium, so so you know he could have had more time there, obviously. But even when he's not at the podium, he still has a way of dominating the interviews because the kids are screaming for his autograph. So he was signing on one side. That's off to, off to the side. By the way, this is something I think the Ravens need to fix: is where kids line up for autographs relative to where the interview is being done. Because you can't hear a darn thing. I mean, you, you, you're much better off listening to the interviews online than you are actually being live there and trying to trying to hear what uh, somebody is saying when it's you know it's not broadcast over a, a, a microphone to us there. It's just being recorded into a microphone. So uh, you have to be able to hear it as you would hearing somebody. Twenty feet away, say, but at the same time, you've got kids screaming, and you've got a you know a, a corner situation there with the walls that doesn't lend itself well to that. So uh, it's a it's a it's a difficult environment to ask or or hear the answer to uh, to questions. And Odell certainly created a lot of noise. And as he's moving into uh, the building, then kids on the other side are of course screaming for his autograph and hoping that that uh, that he'll come over and see them. So. Uh, it's Odell's world. We're living in it today, and uh, and he, he certainly dominated the practice more than any other individual player. Uh, some of it on the field, and obviously some with the cheers. Talking about some of the other players, Zay Flowers, to me, looks very shifty, and I think that's good. I think we saw some some interesting usage things, but we also saw him juke Roquan Smith in the open field, which I thought was a, uh, a nice thing to see. Now, Roquan is not, of course, going all out, but Roquan had just made a nice play a little bit earlier to uh, stretch Devon Duvernay all the way over the right sideline and on a play, not too much later in an 11 on 11, he uh, he completely juked uh, uh, Roquan and uh, uh, left him in the dust. And that that definitely drew some cheers. Uh, I, I think he generally in the individual drills looked very sharp in cuts. Now there's no opposing defensive back there, but they have a good setup for, uh, you know, creating a, a good environment for the cuts to be at a standard depth by using a, I don't know whether it's a rope or a chain that they lay out on the on the field uh, to let the player know where they're supposed to cut. Um, and Keith Williams is watching very closely to see how those players cut and gives a lot of very direct advice there. So he's a, a assistant wide receivers coach, I guess, this year with, with Lewis here in town, but he's still the very vocal one um, of the two in terms of making sure the receivers uh, get instruction. Uh, I thought that uh, Flowers looked very sharp in terms of his cuts with no opposing DB. Now, of course, as as you've heard on this show from me, I think one of the big issues with Flowers is going to be, can he um, throw wiggle at the top of the stem to the opposing DB and not just be the sudden athlete? So I think we saw more of the sudden athlete here today without really getting a sense of uh, can he... uh, uh, make the opposing DB make that first mistake and gain additional separation from it. Charlie Kolar, another player who I guess we'd say had a veteran push off on the left sideline deep to gain separation versus safety. Jack Juan Amos. Uh, he's a, uh, you know, that's probably something you don't want your, your guys doing is, is pushing off and you'd rather just have them kind of, not run into each other but kind of contest non-violently for the football and they are football players there's only so much you can do but but you know i don't kind of like to see a tight end pushing off on a on a db any more than i'd like to see a db kind of putting a shoulder into a wide receiver where that may cause a a funny trip up and i thought generally the dbs were probably a little bit better about avoiding contact in this practice and the and the wide receivers and the tight ends took a little took a few more chances Let's see what I, I talked a little bit about. What wide receiver um, warm-ups. T. Martin, who was you know watching releases last year because he was a, a passing game coordinator, I believe. Now he's a quarterbacks coach. He has the urban job, and he's really in the backfield talking to those quarterbacks. So uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's an interesting uh, group there. They have they did do uh, some of the work with pads for press simulation. Uh, that's something Keith Williams gets right up in the receiver's face and does himself sometimes, and sometimes he watches it from a second level where he tries to cover after a uh, receiver gets off a press release. And one of those, by the way, was Beckham, who got some love from from uh, uh, Keith Williams for a, for a nice move at level one and at level two. At least that's the way I interpreted that from where I was standing. We got a first look at Melvin Gordon today. Uh, He looks like he still has some good hands to be receiving back. It's certainly something that's been uh, a trademark of his for his whole career. He's been able to catch the football, been able to do some nice things in terms of yards per target for a running back uh, that are unusually high. I think think he's up, if I recall, he's up close to uh, eight yards per target career as a running back, which is really extraordinary. There's a lot of wide receivers who would love to have that. And his yards per target, yes, 8.0. No, that's yards per reception. Let's see if I've got yards per target here. Um, now he's about six yards per target for his career. So his yards per reception is about eight. So anyway, that, that's a little bit of a downer, but uh, but still looks like he's got fairly good hands. Uh, he's caught a lot of balls career, about 300, 309 in his career. So um, if, if you want a receiving option for the Ravens, one of the things to look at is that Melvin Gordon – could be the guy, and hopefully if he's going to be that guy, he's also a guy who can, who can contribute as a pass blocker, and we'll see if that really develops in the Ravens system here. We saw a little bit of Keaton Mitchell, saw all the running backs, and there's nothing we can really tell about the run game uh, in a non-padded practice. You know, The brother-in-all play just doesn't allow for, for us to see much about it. You could maybe see something about them as a receiver. I did not see Keaton Mitchell on the receiving end today, in an 11-on-11 11 11 play. He looks very small. He's muscular, but he is very small. Um, and some of that is being next to the Ravens' enormous offensive lineman. But uh, I think when you see him on a football field, he'll remind you more of Dave Meggett and Joe Morris and some of the smaller backs who, who've been Joe Washington, um, who who had a lot of speed as a uh, as a big component of their game. Can move on to the offensive line here and talk about some of this. And the big news here is just the health of the offensive lines a very, very positive news to go into the first day of training camp and everybody's there. You're not waiting on two, two guys to come off PUP and one guy to report because he's still hurt. You know, two people passed that failed like the conditioning test. By the way, that question was asked zero players this year failed the Ravens conditioning test. So very big deal and, and, and great to hear. Uh, But anyway, the first team uh, out there was Stanley and it continued to be Sala, which had been the case in the OTAs as well. Uh, Linderbaum, Zeitler, and Moses. So great to see the the, the returning for all healthy, of course. But then Sala continues to be the uh, guy who appears to be getting a chance to win that job at left guard. Don't think it's necessarily over by, by any stretch, but uh, he, Harbaugh was asked about it during the interviews. Um, You know, he, he, basically talked about him a little bit, did not talk about the other competitors nearly as much. The second team uh, has basically all those backup guards on it. It's McCary at left tackle, Simpson at left guard, Mustapher, who's the backup center, Cleveland at right guard. So he's he's seeing time as the backup right guard right now. And Falalele, another guy who's been named as being part of that competition. You could even say all five of those guys have really been thought of in some way, shape, or form as a potential for the left guard spot. But uh, McCary looks to be more of a backup uh, tackle at this point. It seems like, given the Ravens paucity of other tackles, that really makes a lot of sense. And seeing him at left tackle, I think uh, I think that's the place the Ravens will try and keep him unless they have an emergency, say, at center where they feel like they must use him. The other thing is, is the top 10 versus the next five is a big um, division. So the next five we could call it a sharp division because the left tackle on the third team is is sharp. Then Thomas Gidon, um, Manning, and Doss. And frankly, Sharp is probably makes the practice squad as a backup left tackle or backup tackle. Um, the rest of them I, I would think would not. Um, you know, maybe there's one guy they'll they'll like out of this group. But you look at that the, the division there the, the the first two groups probably contain nine, uh, all nine of the Ravens uh, guys they'll have on the roster. It'll be typically a nine to make eight arrangement because you have eight on game day. The rules really incent you to do that because you get an extra uh, roster spot if you had carry eight offensive linemen. So almost every NFL team would, would carry eight under the, those circumstances. And then you'd have a ninth that would be on the roster, but inactive more than likely. And then you'd probably have a 10th guy who you really like on the practice squad where you can make some elevations of him. And then maybe you have to move him on with the first injury or, or whatever it might be. So it looks to me like Mustafa might be that guy for the Ravens early in the season that, you know, maybe he's a practice squad guy, uh, get some activations as a backup center or doesn't. And they just decide to go with, with McCary as the backup uh, there. And then they, uh, uh, when they do have an injury, which probably happens at some point, um, then they have nine guys with an inactive Mustafer or an active Mustafer and an inactive Falele or Cleveland say. So um, they have a few different ways to uh to arrange that. But really nice, and I again I'll harp on this that the that seeing the health of the offensive line be what it is at this point in camp is one of the really positive things depth wise to look at for this team. We don't we so don't know if left guard's gonna work out but the fact that everybody's healthy is a, is a very good starting point. Uh could talk about the QBs a little bit, but I'm just going to focus on one in this episode. And that's, that's uh, Josh Johnson, who's really a camp arm. And he of course came in off the street to play a game for the Ravens uh, last year and is a guy who is an excellent camp arm for multiple reasons. So there's lots of qualities you want probably in a camp arm, but let me just tell you the ones that I think are, are positive for him. He has very solid accuracy and velocity on a short throw. So whenever you're doing these these drills with wide receivers and you just want a quarterback who can throw the football, he's great for that. So are a lot of other guys, but there's also a lot of, a lot of um, players who really wouldn't fit into that category of even having top accuracy and velocity on short throws such that they make good camp arms in, the, in that way. Drops the ball in the bucket very well. Um, so you, when you're talking about longer throws down the sideline, he's got very good uh, accuracy on those. Drops the ball in the bucket well, and that makes it easier for receivers to catch the ball in stride, to not do silly things with their bodies uh, in camp uh, to try and make a very difficult catch. Is one thing. Uh, lots of air is under the ball, and and uh, he's he's just very he's quite good for that. I like having him around for that. The most important thing by far, of course, is that he's a kind of quarterback I don't expect to be on the roster. I expect you know Snoop probably be the number two guy. Maybe it's Anthony Brown. Maybe it's even somebody completely outside the organization right now, depending on what happens in preseason, but probably one of those two. And Johnson is a guy still, you can probably call at any point during the season, and he's been doing it forever, and you bring in him and, and he joins your practice squad, gets elevated to play a game. And, uh, you know, you, you, he gets you through that game. Uh, now he's played, I think twice for the Ravens. Neither one of them were wins, uh, as I recall it, but, uh, but it was nice to, that, that he could be available to basically come out of nowhere. Ravens supposedly one year had a deal with Mark Bulger, where they were going to basically have him on speed dial and, and call him in if needed. Unfortunately, he never was, but, uh, uh, Josh Johnson is kind of the 2023 version of, uh, of Mark Bulger. Let's move on a little bit, talk about the defense. So a few things about the defense. First of all, they're not really playing hard. And as I mentioned before, the defensive backs in particular, taking it a little easier relative to their offensive counterparts. So they weren't definitely weren't trying to out physical wide receivers for the ball. I didn't really see that happen much today. So I'm going to focus on some other things. Marcus Williams, um, for starters, looks like a leader this year in a different sort of way. So I saw him after one play, kind of clapping at another defensive back, did not catch who that was, unfortunately. Uh, You know, asking for some accountability, probably in terms of, of positioning that player so it's good to see him taking up some of that i i like players who can emote on field during a game and minimize it i generally think is a good thing for team unity and if you go back to the miami game last year uh williams of course was at the line of scrimmage appropriately i think he was up there to rush the passer or or, you know play the run or whatever it might have been and um, all of a sudden, you know, Kyle Hamilton came up next to him. Williams realized Hamilton was out of position and sprinted back towards that deep left corner uh, pylon. Uh, unfortunately, did not get there in time to prevent the easy touchdown pass. And uh, after the play, you could see him just kind of give an umpire's out signal to kind of indicate that Hamilton had, had been out of position there. So it wasn't, you know... Absurd on-field emoting. Uh, We see a lot of this with other players, and Marcus Peters was a guy who would cock his head directly at a player who had done something incorrect. You'll see it uh, certainly from from Marlon Humphrey, who's a very demonstrative kind of player on the field. Uh, Ideally, you do what LJ Fort has done with Queen at times, where he kind of gives him a low five and a little talking to, but it doesn't have to be anything that embarrasses the other player, and, and I think that's a good thing. Anyway, in camp, different situation. Uh, I really want Marcus Williams calling for that accountability where it's not embarrassing a player, hopefully, and will just you know hopefully incent them to to do it better the next time. And uh, you know you're, you're you're among friends in these practices, and while you know no one really wants to look bad to the coaches, you better correct it the next time because coaches don't don't have a a, a particularly long fuse for seeing out of position players uh, even during camp. And it's a, it's a good way to lose your practice squad spot if you, if you might have had one. Talked about all the defensive backs throttling back their effort um, to avoid injuries in this game. I think that was, a, that was a, uh, a common thread through this. Not a lot of deep balls on the day. Uh, one deep ball that did happen was deep right for Aguilar from Lamar Jackson. Uh, the defensive back on that side who I did not see, it might have been Yasin because it was with the first team. So it would have made sense that it would have been Yassin at left cornerback because it was deep on the offensive right side, uh, would have been the guy. But Aguilar and Yassin got a little bit entangled, which slowed down Aguilar, and uh, Kyle Hamilton just drifted over for a nice, easy pick. Um, it wasn't it was a, a high-effort pick. It wasn't a difficult pick, but what was nice about it was Hamilton's positioning uh, had, had kind of the in, an inside bracket. So you know you can have a a, a high low bracket, but you can have inside outside bracket when you when one player is playing outside leverage and the other is playing inside. And in this case, uh, Hamilton did a very good job of denying space on the play, and in fact, just getting there and and, and collecting a very easy interception on the play. Uh, I I don't know that we can tell that much, obviously, about Kyle Hamilton and his ability to play safety from this, because Kyle Hamilton, the high school player, probably could have made that interception honestly, and in, in and easily, but um, it is nice to see natural safety instincts. And the, the thing I really like to see is his positioning uh, re- relative to Yasin on that play. I thought was very good. So that's something nice to see. Let's see. Kayvon Seymour had tight coverage to disrupt Shamar Bridges, 20 yards down the left sideline from Anthony Brown. This is a case of one of the few really physical plays by a um, defensive back. He was more like he was just right on top of him. And he disrupted him. He wasn't pushing at him or, or, you know, trying to trip him or body him outside or, you know, uh, push him to the sideline, any of that kind of stuff. It's just, he had a very good job of uh, being disruptive there. And uh, the fans near behind us anyway, were are saying, Shamar, you got to go up for that ball kind of thing. And uh, you know, we're being loud, but, uh, but that was kind of cool. Throw was from Anthony Brown on that play. The other guy who had an interception today was Gino stone. Um, Is it is an oddball interception because he's in a a cover two look and uh, he just intercepted a ball that was thrown away into space and it just happened to go pretty much right to him. So that was uh, that was a interesting one that came from Josh Johnson, by the way, is not a good throw from him. But uh, uh, if you think back to Tom Brady's interception by Carr in the 2009 AFC wildcard game. So they had that big first quarter and they scored a touchdown on the 83 yard run. And then they, they had the Suggs strip sack that led to a second touchdown. And the, the New England got the ball again. And Brady threw an interception on a pass. He's trying to throw away over the middle of the field and Carr ran in, and intercepted the football uh, diving, but there was no Patriot anywhere near the ball. So it's it was that kind of interception today for Geno Stone. There's just nobody near the near the football and, and and kind of an odd thing, but nice to see him just move to the football, collect it easily. I guess, you know, if you want to pick up something positive for Geno Stone in there, reading the quarterback well. And I think we're getting a sense of the, the Ravens' safety depth uh, f- from this game that was very positive. And by the way, we did see – uh, a little bit of Brandon Stevens at slot corner Humphrey mentioned that in the in the uh, interviews I don't think I'm giving away anything I shouldn't be and uh, he uh, uh was in there pretty much the whole practice with the ones um uh playing slot corner so without um, pepe Williams active they're uh they're having to search for other answers our uh, Darius Washington was out there some as well and uh and he either of them i guess uh, could be the guy but that safety depth is may really be taxed in terms of the potential places otherwise that the Ravens may use it. So uh, I did not see Mollett, um, the, the, the guy that got the ex-Pittsburgh slot corner that they just signed. He, I, I did not see him there today. Let me just see if he's on the, even the roster as yet. Uh, he is on the roster, number thirty-four, and he was there today. I did not see him in there playing slot corner yet, so uh, he might have had some snaps. I just didn't notice it. One guy I was really looking to see to, to if he would be involved today, and it really never happened. Was Trenton Simpson? Uh, he was in there uh, playing with the twos, uh, not unexpected. Obviously, Queen and Roquan playing playing as the ones. He was playing with Mike Harrison. Uh, did not really get any chances that I saw to make a play on a ball. I don't. I didn't think there were um, a bunch of bad plays where he was way out of position or anything. Uh, just, there just wasn't a, a lot of opportunity for him. So we'll keep looking. And uh, Trenton Simpson honestly looks a little smaller to me than his listed weight. So let's see. The the, the Ravens have Simpson. Uh, listed at 6'2", 238. He does not look 238 to me. That's all I'll say. He looks lean and muscular um, at that inside linebacker position. Honestly, looks more like a safety a little bit to me than a than a 238-pound linebacker, which by by today's standards is quite large. So uh, uh, Anyway, uh, some of it also could have been the size of the offensive and defensive alignment around And When you stand next to Michael Pierce or Matabike or any of those guys, you're, you're going to tend to look a little small. Roquan Smith nice nice day today I thought uh, you know he kind of led up on a, on a great flowers Juke that, that was that was good um, you know the, good to not risk contact there uh, he made a very nice play to stretch Druvenet to the right sideline I think I might have mentioned it e- easier or earlier today. one of the nice things to see is Patrick Queen getting there quickly to celebrate after the play with uh, Roquan love to see guys enjoying practice period. But you know, Patrick Queen is is an important player. He's entering a big year. Needs to have a big year for himself, not for the Ravens. Although he did, you know, hey, Ravens fans want him to have a big year. But Patrick Queen needs to have a big year, period, to to ensure his financial future. And he just seeing him as happy as he is to to be out there playing football again is 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 really nice to see. Last comment I had about the defense is that. Owe and Ajabo were both on the field without Bowser. So, you know, this is a case where I suspect both of them will be asked to take on some additional responsibilities that are left behind with really having no Sam linebacker currently. So uh, if Owe and Ajabo are out there at the same time, that means at least one of them is is getting some Sam responsibilities. And, um, you know, there should be plays where each of them, uh, you know, see some time dropping and it'll be something to look forward to in the preseason is how are the Ravens really lining up and and taking care of that, that Sam role. A few special teams notes uh, from today, Uh, Nick Moore, uh, NFI from a torn Achilles. I think it's already already been reported by uh, Jeff Z and by uh, Jonas, uh, but uh, Tyler Ott out of Harvard is in camp for long snaps now. So uh, uh, that's a, Uh, A new change, obviously, one we'll be watching closely in terms of are things going right. Uh, Tyler Ott is a former pro bowler with Seattle and had the job for five years there. So uh, he's been on a number of practice squads around the league. And uh, hopefully this is a fairly smooth transition because obviously very important to the Ravens. Um, The... uh, there was no live punting that I saw as short practice, and they, they special teams tends to be one of the things that kind of goes away. They did do a little bit of, in terms of punt block drills, um, where they were done in typical half line fac- fashion. I call that the Rossberg approach, but I'm sure that's true of a lot of other teams as well. Um, and Chris Horton was in there actively positioning players, uh, and that's uh, something we uh, you know always like to see is active coaching. Very technical in nature. You know, where do you want these players standing? How do you want them going into the player opposite them? Uh, and I'm sure in these first days of camp, they're not getting in any complex uh, schemes to free a player in the middle of the line and whatnot. They're just trying to understand, just generally speaking, how do you need to approach the man opposite you and, and either try and beat him or, or try and hold him up? So uh, good to see that. Uh, In terms of of the punt returns, we didn't really see any of that from a punter, but we did see some from the Jugs gun. And uh, from the Jugs gun, we saw Duvernay, Prochet Flowers, and Aguilar all receiving punts, so all wide receivers so far that I've seen. I did not see Keaton Mitchell back there. I don't think that means anything at this point, but um, uh, it is uh, what it is for right now. Uh, In terms of the interviews, there were a few things. Uh, Harbaugh mentioned a few things, step laddering up the, the, the camp to ramp up players to harder practices. Uh, I, I think that was clear and they're, they're ending all the practices right around four o'clock, four or five, four, and they're starting them at different times so that basically they have varying length of practice. I think this is a health and safety thing they've done. Uh, I did notice also, by the way, today, the offensive linemen were very late out of the building. And so I believe that they would have been in not out in the heat, but in the in the uh, covered building they have there where the, the covered field where they where they go when it rains. And it may have been a heat thing for the some of the larger men there. So uh, that's an interesting change. I've never seen them do that before, where the you know Dallas Anderson and, and his uh Chargers are not out there uh, practicing in their typical half-line arrangements, but uh, I believe they were inside and doing that during the early part of practice, and they came out after maybe 30 minutes or so and uh, and took the field with the rest of the team. Um, there were some other questions on Harbaugh. I'm going to let you just go out and listen to the interview that's out there on the Ravens' website. Uh, there was a lot of difficulty in hearing some of the responses uh, from this. There was a, a question about uh, the opportunity Sala was getting at left guard. Uh, he did praise him. I did not hear him talk about the others. Uh, Jeff asked a question about Bateman and Bowser. Uh, and he mentioned that each of them had some sort of a compensatory injury so that Bateman had recovered well from the Liz Frank surgery, but he had been compensating in other ways. And that may have caused some other problem that was unexpected. Uh, and I, I believe I heard him say the same for Bowser, but rather than take my word for it, listen to Harbaugh in the interviews directly. Uh, did get a question about J.K. Dobbins, talked about the complexity of the situation. Again, I'll uh, rather than misquote him, I'll let you listen to the thing directly. I thought one of the interesting things he he also had a question about was regarding Monken, Odell, and Lamar and their ability to mesh. He said, we'll do the best we can. And I think this is going to be an ongoing theme here is that Monken's offense is going to be very different. Roman's offense built entirely for Lamar, of course, and and really, although Lamar, you know, is one of the people who would like to move on to a passing offense that's that's you know more about him staying in the pocket. That also in, includes a lot of growing up on his end in terms of the things he needs to do. So um, I, I think Harbaugh's really got at rest to kind of manage expectations a little bit with the answer he gave. And uh, again, you can take a listen to it if you uh, if you want to hear that. Marlon Humphrey came to the came to the podium second. I will just say he is a completely different guy from when I first saw him at the podium after a practice in 2017. And I'm trying to remember exactly whether it was an OTA or a regular practice, but it was the practice where Tavon Young got hurt. Okay. I think it might have been an OTA in 2017 and just an awful day. And uh, Kennedy, Maurice Kennedy came in and played some slot corner that day, but, but at the podium, you know, I, I had to ask the question of, you know, ha, ha, did you play any slot at, at, um, Alabama? And he said, no, we practice it, but he never had done it in an actual game. And, uh, it was, it was a, he was a completely different person. He was, first of all, physically, wasn't the much more muscular grown up NFL man. He is now he's a, he's a, uh, uh, he was a smaller guy and he was, uh, um, you know, kind of a, probably a little bit uncomfortable at the podium is, is how I would tag it. Um, Marlon Humphrey is anything but that. Now you've, you give Marlon Humphrey uh, a, a microphone, a Twitter handle, whatever it is, probably a karaoke machine. And he's fine with it. I, I'm sure uh, he's uh, uh, supremely confident. He was asked about being number 92 and, and, then either the question asked or was referred to, are there really 91 players better than you? And, and he, he kind of had a, a, a funny response to that. He's very natural and funny with the media. He talked, uh, uh, you know, in a way that's very much as a leader on the defense and as a recruiter for the team. Uh, one question got asked about what had Darius Slay said about Coach Wilson, that the, you know, the new DB coach, for, DB coach for the Ravens. And he started by saying how Slay should be a Raven. And that's one of the funny things about this, because Marlon was clearly involved with recruiting him, obviously, as a friend of his. But uh, but that was uh, that was the the big part of that question. Uh, one thing he mentioned about the value of reps at this point in camp and, you know, they're not playing physically. They're not they're not able to do a lot of things that they need to to really find out, you know, how do they compete with a man opposite them? But he said. One thing you can gain from it is the value of reps versus a variety of speed and tempo players. I thought that was just excellent. It's the kind of thing that you know, if if you've got veterans who are bored, in, in a lot of ways, that's that's a really bad thing. But because your veterans don't know how good they are sometimes either, they don't know when their skills are dropping off, when they need to compensate for things. But in in the case of uh, of Humphrey, I think understanding the you know the opposing speed and tempo is a, is a is a great way to stay focused as a defensive back and hopefully he can, he can share that with the rest of the DB room. He did also mention that Marcus Williams was more vocal this year. So the things I saw on the field and in terms of Marcus clapping at the, at the DB to try and get his positioning right is uh, I think something Marlon would, would echo in terms of how that went anyway, Marlon completely different guy than from six years ago when I, when I first saw him at the podium and Lamar Jackson came up and, and honestly a lot of softballs for Lamar Jackson in terms of the questions and, and, uh, uh, a lot of it was just uh, some love for the new receivers and the new weapons he had. Um, there was a question about, you know, what were his additional responsibilities with all audibles of the line of scrimmage, and he acknowledged, yes, that was there. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to have, I don't think, meaningful information until we see that, obviously, in in live play here. Um, but I hope that's something we see in the preseason. I hope that we, we actually get to see uh, some leaning on Lamar Jackson to see what he can do as an audible caller. And maybe they even just have five, six, eight plays per game with Lamar. Actually it can't be that many because Lamar won't play that many total reps in the preseason, probably. But if they could have three reps during the PC preseason where Lamar's job is only to call a formation in the huddle and go to the line of scrimmage then and call a play, I think that would be a great way to, see where Lamar Jackson is in his progression with Monken and, and, you know, getting back to Harbaugh's comment about, you know, we're going to do the best we can to, to, to see that the, the, the weapons Lamar has and the new offense and um, Lamar himself is able, are able to mesh um, uh, and, you know, we'll do the best we can is probably the, the best response he should give in terms of managing those expectations. All right, folks, that's it for the first uh, day of camp. A, 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 always a fun day to be out there, see uh, the old friends on the sideline and the, and the players again, uh, even if they're not in pads, to be uh, running around and, uh, and uh, having some fun. And uh, I'll be doing one of these every day I go to camp, which is about nine times um, in, in the coming couple of weeks. And uh, hopefully these are something you enjoy. If you have questions about it or you just want to ask anything about what happened at camp today, hit me up on Twitter, and I'll try and spend some time looking at Twitter questions tonight. Talk to you later, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.